the more I age, the more I become an adult because I'm still adulting, the more authentic I feel that I can be because I am still discovering what my identity is. Who is Jennifer? Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I am your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I am your host, Bianchi Hughes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 58 of the podcast and I just want to welcome you here today. I do have a guest on the show, so it won't be just me. Our guest today is Jennifer Garcia Maldonado and she is just such an amazing person. She is so real, so authentic. She said to me even, I'm not a fan of bios because they like kind of put me in a box. And I totally, totally respect that. This is the Authentic Wednesday podcast. And so she just wants to be known as a most multi-potentialite. And I love that about her, but she is just an amazing person, really sweet person who is just a lover of people, a lover of growth and a lover of life. So we just have a really amazing conversation today. And we're going to just go ahead and get into that conversation. So hello, Jennifer, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Hello. So happy to be here. (laughs) I'm happy to have you here. I've been waiting for you patiently. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have just so much going on, but you know what? We can get into that. I have a lot of energy, many interests. Therefore, it's just my my life tends to be rather busy. Um, but I'm in a chapter right now in my life where I'm trying to slow things down a little bit. Yeah. It's actually, but it's actually really challenging for my personality type. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad anyway, I'm always about alignment. So I say patiently, but yes. I just feel like this is the time for us to talk. So that's what it is. Alignment as well. A hundred percent. Thank you for that. That's so comforting to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only teasing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So tell me, how do you define authenticity? Okay, so authenticity for me, the first word that comes to mind is vulnerability. Mm. I believe that our relationships, and I mean throughout in every aspect of our life, relationships at work, romantic relationships, relationships with friends, with parents, with family, the most important thing in it is vulnerability. And without that vulnerability, there is no true connection that you can really make with anyone. Mm. And that to me is authenticity. I choose to live a very authentic life daily And that certainly comes with repercussions. That certainly comes with sacrifice. It certainly comes with maybe people looking at you sideways. Um, But that to me is courageous. To live authentically means to live a very vulnerable life, right? To kind of have your heart on your sleeve, to have a very open heart, 
open communication with people and it requires a lot of courage and that's okay. I'm here to be courageous every day. <laughs> mm, gosh, it's, I love that. So we've got authenticity equals vulnerability equals courage. And no one ever really thinks about that, really. And that's why, you know, I always tell people I never get tired of people's definition of authenticity because it's just so rich and so many things to so many different people. So, yeah, have you always been? So since you say authenticity is vulnerability, have you always been vulnerable? Hmm. I think it depends. <laughs> I think it depends. That's that's a very that's a very hard question to answer because again, I'm trying to be very authentic in my response, you know. Um, and if I and if I answer truthfully, I will say that the more I age, the more I become an adult because I'm still adulting. The more authentic I feel that I can be, because I am still discovering what my identity is. Who is Jennifer? What, what am I made up of? It's not just personality. I mean, there's just so much more. And I feel that I'm still layering, right? Like an onion. I'm still picking at the layers. So I'm still figuring things out. So I'm still learning how to show up authentically in the world. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. 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 What do you think of those things that have stopped you and kind of stopped other people being vulnerable? Fear, fear of judgment, fear of, re- of rejection, fear of not being accepted, not being liked. I think it stems from fear. Most of all, if mm-hmm. I can think back to the moments where, well, why wasn't maybe I necessarily myself, right? I picture myself maybe um, in a work setting or even with my husband's family in the first years of dating when I was trying to impress or, mm-hmm. oh, I got to show up in a certain way. Right. Um, but now it's like, wait, I'm good enough. Exactly what I bring to the table, exactly how I show up. It's good enough. Um, and in those moments, I think it was just fear, right? Fear of not being accepted, of not being liked, not being loved. And I'm just being real. Mm, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so I think it's about, I always like, like to let people know, like, how do I meet the guests or how do I know? So I, I realized as I was going through your feed, um, it's like two years, like almost two, not two years, sorry, three years what? ago since I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Amazing. I know. Yeah, I'm that's so why I said two. I kept in touch. Mm-hmm. It was so um, to touch. Two, 2018. I think it was around around this time, like January, February, somewhere around that time. And um, but then it was the April of 2018. And I don't know if this is the first time, but I feel like that's when you first really t- started being really vulnerable and you started sharing to your social media um, that, about depression and anxiety. And I think what I loved is, I mean, I know a lot of people look up to this, is that you have a huge following. Like you had like me 8, 10K followers and you shared that. Um, and you didn't have to, and 
I know there's a lot of other people who probably even have more followers or the same amount that might be still going through the same thing and didn't share and don't share, shall I say. And so I want to know, of course, I know your, your vulnerability and you're courageous, but what finally made you say, I really need to be vulnerable with these people that follow me and share about this? Oh, I just, there's so, there's so many layers to this answer because I'm very fired up about the fact that it is very unique for me to be very out there and vulnerable and pretty much fearless when it comes to very personal traumas and struggles. And I believe that's the only way to to really show up on a platform. But that, to be honest, to me, it feels like a part of my calling. It feels like a part of my life's purpose. So it is way beyond I'm going to share for X result. Um, I don't share for results. I, I'm not putting myself out there and, and talking about really, really intimate personal struggles um, to gain anything. To be honest, it's more so God has given me the that fearlessness, right? To mm-hmm. put myself out there because not like you mentioned, a, a lot of people won't go there. And I'm not here to judge that person for whatever reason, they're not talking about their sexual abuse, their addiction, right? But to be very honest, I feel that it is in alignment to what I'm intended to do here on earth. And through that, I've been able to impact so many lives just by not even trying. Do you know what I mean? It's very effortless. Mm. It's very, I, I feel the need to share because I feel that it creates commonality between people. It creates that sense of courage for many people to speak up, to voice up and say, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm dealing with this too. I don't feel so alone. I mean, I've, I've impacted people. And the only reason I know that is because I've received many messages over the course of the past five years of people telling me, thank you. You've saved my life Mm. Um, for your post. I just read through them um, to get motivated, to get inspired. Thank you for your words. Uh, Thank you for making me feel that I'm not alone. Thank you for talking about antidepressants because I thought I was crazy taking them, Um, especially because a large component of my my following community is brown people. And we already know there's a mental health stigma (laughs) (laughs) brown people and Hispanic people. So I remember specifically one post where I shared about antidepressants and why I feel the need to be on them and to normalize a little bit that conversation because it's something that people aren't necessarily open about. Now, I remember I got a DM from a Hispanic young woman similar to my age, a long paragraph telling me, man, thank you. Just thank you for putting it out there because it, it feels very lonely. This, this journey feels lonely and it's so nice to know that there is someone else who is taking that step to better their mental health. And again, those conversations are so important and I am not afraid to have them. 
Let's talk about loneliness. Let's talk about depression. Let's talk about the traumas and how it changes the brain. I mean, let's talk about it all because these are all kind of hush hush topics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially for, I think for millennials in, in our society, it's very success driven. It's very, it's very go, 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 go. And the mental health component of all of us is just kind of back here in the back border. Um, but no, I'm like, let's bring this to the front. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you're using what you're gifted for. And you just say it, you said something that, you know, it's effortless. If It's like effortless. But when you're in your calling, it is effortless. Like, I mean, you can get burned out. But, um, you know, if you're not careful, but it's almost as like, um, Sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like an imposter. Like, this is just so easy. Like, why people asking me to do this and why they pay me to do this? Like, can you not just do this? And um, I feel like you said that, like, it's effortless for you because, like you said, you're in alignment and this is what you're meant to be doing. And I'm so glad you're doing that because some of us are scared to do that or some of us are scared to find out what that looks like because we um, have this thing about success and what it looks like. And so that really prevents us from looking for that. So um, thank you. So Hispanic community, is it very similar with the black community in regards to mental health? Yes. And yeah. Okay. Yes, very, very yeah. much so. So, well, you can speak right um, as well. And, and I'm not sure how you grew up, but for example, in my family, it was not a topic of conversation. And by that, I mean, feelings, emotions, how was your day? Are you okay? Is there drama going on at school? Is, is there somebody picking on you? Or how are you feeling these days? None of that. The conversations were about something completely different all the time. So that emotional relationship was not there um, with mm-hmm. my family and mm-hmm. with my siblings, because that's not how we grew up. That's it. It was just, even to this day, I'll be very honest. Even to this day, my, my father questions why I've chosen um, this life calling that I have, which is mental health, right? I, I just graduated with my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And for the longest time, I tried to convince my father why I'm doing this. Be- yeah. Why I'm doing this for what reason? Because according to my father, everything is mindset and you can just snap out of the depression. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> If I could, I would. No, you cannot. But but that, to be honest, it's a very common thing in the Hispanic community to have parents to say, well, no, you don't need medication. That's just for crazy people. Well, you need you don't need to go to therapy. Those are for people who are going through something really intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're the kind of ones that need it all, especially with the history of enslavement and things like that. It's like, you know, that trauma that's been passed down because we're constantly still in this survival kind of survival mode. Thank you for sharing that. Um, It's interesting. Now you say that we didn't talk about emotions. Like my mom was a single mom. So she was just trying to make everything be okay. 
And someone was asking me about mental health in London, in England. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't, I had no clue about it. Wow. Like when I mean, like, let me rephrase that. I had no clue that you could just go as, you know, if you were challenged just with, with, with smaller problems, shall we say that? So I knew about being, we called about 1013 here. So um, in England, it's called being sectioned. So that's everyone, like when you are um, put into hospitalization, if you're a suicidal, you know, a temporary hold. And so I knew about being sectioned. I had an, an ex-boyfriend that worked with um, people in the mental hospital, but those were serious cases, right? Those weren't those weren't like your everyday, I'm having some challenges, I'm having stress. So I had no clue like what it, about that. And I was like, wow, I, I probably would have went if I knew <laughs> like it was that accessible or, you know, it was okay or normalized and I probably would have went. So yeah. You yeah. I found out that it was a thing later on and mm-hmm. Same for me. I I didn't hear from it at my house. Uh, The reason I found out that mental health, there exists mental health professionals is because I remember I was in sixth grade in middle school. They started talking about careers and career options. And then they mentioned psychologists and therapists Mm -hmm. and that people get paid to talk to people and help them. And I said, that's what I want to do for a living. I didn't know that existed. (laughs) (laughs) like I remember something in me was like ding 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 wait hold up I can communicate Mm -hmm. with someone and help them and make them better and be there for them and get paid to do that oh yes please (laughs) yes 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 so what has your journey been like um and I like to say journey because you know it's it's life like you're saying you're still discovering that but just your experience of anxiety and depression. Um, I, you know, I probably deal more with anxiety and last year around this time I experienced depression. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully for me, I know the warning signs. And so, um, yeah, I was like, oh, this is something's not right. <laughs> something's off. And like, I immediately got the help was in, um, got some medication and did the things I needed to do for myself. Like even when I didn't feel like it and I was like in the early stages, you know, most people don't catch it to like a year later, but, um, well, you realize yeah. you can't go to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I knew something was off and I was like, Oh no. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> something's wrong. Um, so what was that experience like for you just really recognizing, wait, this is anxiety and depression and kind of that journey? Because I know it's been some highs and lows. I want everyone to know like her journey has not ended for one. And it's not like, oh, it's been roses. <laughs> like she realized it and then she was cured. Like, no. No, 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 no. I am still healing. You know, I am still going through it. I'm still learning. I think I'm still learning how to live with the random anxiety and depression. So for me personally, I know that I have generalized anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder. So that means that it's reoccurring. It's, it's going to be there and it just flares up depending on my circumstances that I don't have control of sometimes. So for me, I started to notice well, actually, I didn't even notice uh, when I was younger, I would say teens and probably 
super early 20s, like 2021, anxiety manifest in my body through stomach pains. I started to get so many health issues and mm. no one can figure out what everything shows up fine. There's nothing wrong. We're doing all the tests, doing the little camera in the stomach, like all the things. And it wasn't until I started studying this and researching that I started to realize now as an adult, well, that was the anxiety showing up in my body in different ways. But, you know, my parents would not know that my family would not know that. Um, that's something that I had to discover later on. But once I realized that it clicked for me that this is something that I've been dealing with for now seven years, <sighs> seven years. That's a long time. Wow. Breath with that. <sighs> seven years. And that is when I started working. Um, I started my career in in business in real estate, and also when health issues started to pop up. And that combination, I, I think of just having like a, a real job, right? A real responsibility, and college and health issues. It was just so much that was going on for many years that I believe. I honestly became addicted to burnout and those burnouts were the triggers of the depression and the flared up anxiety Hmm. in combination with the health issues. Whenever health issues started coming up and and by health issues, I mean, it started with sleep apnea, um, breathing issues during sleeping, and then asthma, and then severe allergies, and then gastritis. And whenever things would act up in my body, that would be boom, the biggest trigger for depression, because I started to feel bad for myself, that self pity talk um, started to go on in my head. But also, I'm, I'm tired of living this way, right? I'm so tired of it. And then Suicidal ideation. Hello. Mm. That's a thing that definitely has came about in my life when my health issues were just too much. I felt that I had no control over my body. Um, And that made me feel that, you know what, if if this is how life is going to be, I just rather not be here. Um, But those are the very, the lowest moments of my life. Now I'm happy to say that I haven't had a panic attack and I don't even know how long. And that is just, it's just amazing for me because at one point it was a whole year of panic attacks. It was Mm. my husband, my now husband, who was then a boyfriend at the time trying to figure out how do I be here for her? What do I do? She's on the floor crying uncontrollably and I can't stop it. And she's not listening. And it was just, it was a lot of figuring out um, of how to really contain and manage, I think the depression and anxiety. Um, And where I am in my journey now is it's like a period of enlightenment, like a wake up call, like, wait, 
do I want this to control my life or am I trying to be a driver of what's going on? Mm. That must be so frustrating. Thank you for sharing just all about that and in the suicidal ideation and being honest about that and just sharing. Um, That must be so frustrating. I know I've spoken to people and they're like, will it ever get better? Like this is my life. And they've kind of like lost hope as to, I just don't think it's going to get any better. I've tried, I've done this and I don't think it's going to get any better. What met, what kept you going? Cause I know that is to feel like I just don't see the point. And then to where you are now, that takes some stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I love how you just said that because if, if it was a client in front of me and they were to come up to me and, and, and just say, you know what, I just, I have no hope. I don't know what's coming. I don't care what's coming. I would say, you know what, that's okay. That's okay. Be with that right now. That's okay. This is, this is the reality that you are facing right now, but it does not mean that it's going to be here in two years. And if you can't see that, that's okay. So I think that, that piece right there has helped me tremendously to have grace for myself. And that is hard to do, especially right in this, like I mentioned, this very success driven society um, is so hard to, to say, Oh, well, hold up. You need to have some grace for yourself. (laughs) No, it's like, Go, 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 go. One thing after the other, right? So I think it took a lot of slowing down, a lot of slowing down and reminding myself that it's okay to go through the motions, to wallow, um, that it's okay to, to experience these very, very heavy feelings of hopelessness and sadness and anxiety. I think I allowed myself to feel that for a while. And then I woke up. And I was like, well, nope, I don't, I don't want this to completely manipulate my life. I, I accept it. I think that it went through a period of feeling it and then accepting it. The generalized anxiety disorder, the major depressive disorder. And honestly, having that defined and labeled for me was very important because I understood it. I, I, I got it. I said, okay, this is what's happening in my brain. This is what's happening to my body. This is why my emotions, why I have um, every two months, there's a a depressive episode. It it gave me a sense of peace. And now I'm to the point where I appreciate the definition and the label. However, I'm not going to identify myself with the label. Yes, yes. And that separation is huge too, Um, psychologically, you know, for me to wake up and know that, okay, this is, this is a thing. However, it does not define me. It does not have to be how I define myself and who I am. It can just be a part of a part of life, you know? Yes. (laughs) I think that's so powerful. Like I'm a lover of, um, well, lover, but always everything I do always goes back to identity, which is so important, which is who we are. Right. And I always make the distinction between like our, our identity and our role, because that's not the same. And then the new one is identity and our di- and the diagnosis, because mm-hmm. we are not our diagnosis. Woo-hoo! 
that is a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a hard pill to swallow. It, it, it just, I mean, it just is, but I don't know. It, that's a whole nother conversation that I can have regarding <laughs> people, right? And diagnosis and the DSM five that's right next to me. Like mm-hmm. there's so there's, that's a whole nother conversation, but I do believe that I can be very enlightening, helpful, educational for folks to just become aware of definitions, right? Of vocabulary of, okay, maybe this is what's going on here because it also creates a lot of questioning, confusion and doubt and just unawareness that can just cloud us even more. Um, But, you know, it can also be very detrimental to have that kind of label. So yeah, that yeah. balance, right? Yeah, the understanding and then what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it? So yeah, I totally agree. The understanding is important, but it's how you're going to apply that to your life. And I find that, I yeah, that kind of makes a difference. So as we're talking about that, the stigma, I know you got a lot of support from social media. Did you Did you get anyone? Did you get any back, backlash? Huh. Right. Okay. So what specifically like backlash from people or just in general for the social media page that I have? Um, from people. What what is there a difference? Okay. Okay. So the reason I'm asking is because I have a very, very unique situation um, that I will just touch on briefly, but I actually ended up getting in trouble with my graduate program because of my social media, because apparently it was too much self-disclosure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just silent everyone. I've got like the weirdest face on my, but I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. I, uh, yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, and you know what? It, it was, it was a very traumatic experience. Um, everything that I had to go through to pretty much prove myself um, to this department. And it was also, I, I think, very hypocritical, right? Um, because I'm in a mental health program and I'm speaking on these matters for people to set them free, to liberate them, to help them see that there is someone else dealing with the same thing. But apparently, Um, Because I was counseling clients, I was not allowed to self-disclose, although my account was private. I'm just, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Several people I talked to, they're, they're like, you know what? This is grounds for suing. This is grounds for so many, so many things that went wrong there. But yeah. Um, that was the biggest slap in the face for me. And it was very, also very just out of nowhere. Um, someone had screenshotted my posts and sent it to the department. So there's backlash for you. <laughs> I still don't know who that person is. Okay. So, um, yeah, I am really like shocked and disappointed about that. And, um, you know, they talk about disclosure and it's to everybody's own taste (laughs) and depending on where you are coming from. Bottom line, if it helps the client, it's, it's okay. Right. 
And at the end of the day, there are going to be more clients that you self-disclose to. Like I definitely way more self-disclose to teens than I do to adults because it's necessary for the relationship. And it's like you're speaking to black people, brown people, Hispanic people, and that is a community that needs to know about the experience to get them into the counseling room. Yeah. So exactly. So to say that you're self-disclosing too much is, is incorrect because it's always about what's needed for the client and what's needed for, you know, people of color. We need our um, people of color therapists to share their experience. Like I literally had a client who told me that they researched me because they wanted to know how authentic I was before they came and saw me so they could trust me. Yes. Yeah. 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 That is crazy. I mean, good for them. (laughs) They did homework. Yeah. But they did their homework, but they wanted me to be a real person. And so, and so I, 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 anyway. Yep. I, oh, we're not even going to talk about who created that. I I mean, (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, I'm trying to keep this um, PG 13. So I don't know if I want to fire Uh, up that kind of anger. Okay, I'm really I'm I'm sad disappointed about that, but okay. Was there any any other experiences you experienced from that? But that's huge. No, I mean I've gotten I think the last negative message that I received via direct message on Instagram was probably about five, six years ago. And honestly, I think yeah. it's just I think it's you know envy and, and jealousy that drives people to send a very ugly message to a stranger uh, because I don't know these people. I don't know who they are. They have profiles, but it was a very ugly message of, of someone just saying, Oh, um, the success that you have is only because of your family. And it's only because of this. And um, you're never going to make it in life. I mean, just, yeah. Very, wow. Very, mean, and, mean. And, and that honestly, that comes with having some sort of platform. Um, because t- to be honest, like you mentioned in the beginning, I, I definitely don't consider myself an Instagram um, influencer, but there's certainly a community of 12.7 thousand people in there. That's a lot. That's a community of humans that are looking at my stuff, reading my stuff, sharing my stuff. And that's that is always also a door for people to, to come at you at any point in time. It just, it is, it is what it is. It's what comes with being, you know, uh, someone who's in a public eye, Um, whether you're a celebrity or not up to that kind of level, it comes with it. And I remember when I received that kind of message um, and that's the only kind of, I guess, backlash bit again, the big slap in the face was this department. Yeah. That, that slap in the face. And I, yeah, that was huge. This is my first time talking about it and, and like sharing it because I kept it very, very intimate until, until I graduated. Mind you, I'm still waiting on my degree, so I'm still very careful. However, I do plan to share 
this story because I mean, something has to, something has to be done about, about that. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It's a clinical mental health counseling program. What, what do you mean? I'm helping our people, but okay, I'm done. (laughs) (sighs) I just sigh. Um, See, we're not all perfect people, therapists. We're not, we're not, we're not. So, (laughs) so was social media, did that, do you feel like there was a lot of pressure Mm. in the role that you had been put in, not like on purpose and that impacted your anxiety and the depression? 100%. Social media impacts mental health, period. Whether or not you want to admit it, Whoever is listening to this, it is impacting your mental health in some way or another. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be detrimental. It maybe it's not making you depressed. However, it may be causing some feelings of anxiety because there is absolutely no way that you can use an app that is filled with people your age and comparison not come into play. There's there's no, no matter how confident I can be in myself, it just happens. If you see someone at the beach and you're over here on your 12th work hour, like when am I going home? You're going to feel something. Something is going to happen to you after looking at your friend having a blast drinking a margarita in Cancun. Something's going to happen. I mean, there's no way, like I, I, I wrote this out in one of my posts, There's no way we consume content without being impacted or contaminated by it in some way, whether it's good or bad up to you, you determine what's good and bad, but there is contamination there. And for me personally, I do believe that at some point I did feel that pressure of people need me. People got to hear from me. I have to share something. I have to post something. I have to talk about this. Um, I have to be there for these people in this way it became just like another job. And and that's when I said, you know what, screw that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Even though this is God, I thank you for my communication skills. I thank you for the fearlessness that you placed in my bold heart to talk about really hard things. However, I'm not willing to sacrifice my mental health to be there for people. You know, I'm not. And I had, I had to make that click because it, it definitely became a lot of pressure for me at some point and pressure. Plus, you know, I started to notice what, what happened to me when I used the app. If you, if you open it up and I'm talking about specifically Instagram, because that's my vice, but other people have Twitter, have Facebook. But if you, if you pick up that app, whatever your vice may be, and you use it for 15 minutes, you tell me how you feel after. You feel drained or do you feel energized? And that question in itself is the biggest indicator of what the app is doing to you in here. Because at this point, we're, we become, it, it's like an addiction or not, it's, it's like a thing that it's a mindless thing that we do now. We just, that's the first thing we do. Okay, well, here's the app. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to scroll through. And really, what do you feel after? I started to notice that my energy was drained after using the app for a while. 
And no matter, yeah. I remember I was like, well, I'm going to have restrictions. I'm just not going to scroll. I'm, I'm just not going to do this. I, you know, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to share my picture and my words and that's it. No, impossible. That is BS because the apps, if you haven't mm. watched the social dilemma on Netflix, highly recommend. Yes. I mean, these apps are designed to be yes, manipulating. They're designed to be addicting. They're designed to make you dependent on it. They're designed to make you feel that you need some sort of reassurance from the public, which is BS. Yes. Woo! Woo, you said a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I was thinking about what you said. I love that question. When you get off of it, do you feel um, energized or do you feel drained? When I'm thinking about me. I feel drained, but you know what? Mm. I still go back on. But I think the reason I go back on is because I do want to be fulfilled and think, well, I'm still drained. That wasn't enough. Let me go back for some more. And it's still not working. So that's, I feel like that's, that's why you stay on. Piece. All of yes. it, all of it yeah. is, is intended for us to be dependent on it. And you know what? I'm not with it. I, I'm just not with it. I actually, I'm in this, I'm in this, um, chapter right now, like I mentioned earlier of enlightenment, when I'm, I'm becoming awake to all these things, right? What, what's manipulating me? What is controlling me without me even knowing? I mean, it could be alcohol. It could be social media. It could be my partner. I mean, what is, where are my actions coming from and what is the cause of these actions? So if I'm going on the app to get some sort of fulfillment after a post, and then try to see how many likes I get, that's BS. I'm not trying to live that kind of life. Maybe I was in the past, but man, Mm -hmm. every day is a great new day to make a different decision and say, you know what? I'm not going to be manipulated by social media. I'm not going to be dependent on social media. And honestly, we are very fortunate and privileged to not have a job that requires us to be on social media right? Because there are so many people who have their businesses, their social media managers. And right now there's a thing going on where social media managers are going through very high levels of anxiety and depression. And that, that in itself tells you so much, you know, it, 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 it noise. Mm. It is a lot of noise for our bodies to take in and consume And it's not always all good. I mean, even if you just follow inspirational quotes all the time, you're going to, it's just impossible to not be contaminated by something. So through this period of enlightenment, I've actually been working towards uh, social media departure. Um, This is my first time announcing it, but I've been working on piecing out. I still don't know what that's going to look like. If I'm going to, if I'm going to hire a social media manager to work on my page, um, I have someone right now working on my business page. So I don't need to take care of that, which essentially is the most important thing for me, the upkeep of my um, business page, but my personal page, I'm not sure yet because you know what, to be very honest, sometimes I do feel inspired to go on and um, say, share some words of encouragement or share a life story in hopes that it's going to impact someone. But, but more often than that, I wake up like, wait, I don't really want this. I don't really need this. Maybe there's another way for me to communicate with people. So I've been considering starting a blog 
Um, I've been considering other avenues to touch people um, in a way that is not going to contaminate me, you know? So I've, I'm working on that. I still don't know how it's going to look like, but even now, I don't know if, if you've noticed, um, but I have not been posting or sharing nearly as much as I used to. I mean, it's slowed down like crazy. And, and you know what the most beautiful thing about that is, is that the community noticed or they're still noticing and they send me DMs. They're like, wow, it's so encouraging how you're taking these breaks from social media and you're not posting as much. You're making me want to do the same. Yes. 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 Please be free. Absolutely. Yeah. Be free. I have a social media manager now on my business page. Um, I still post on stories, but you know, I still get caught up in checking. It's like, sometimes I watch myself like, what are you doing on here? But, um, you know, I have my boundaries with time and have my boundaries of taking it off the phone on the weekend. But yeah, I think the first thing is like that enlightenment and recognizing that it's a problem that you, that it can manipulate you in deciding what you want to do with that. You know, I'm not saying to people get off of social media. I'm not telling you that, but once you're aware and once you find other things to fill your life, it it doesn't have that hold on you. And you know what? Um, Because this has been a really hard decision to, to say that I'm going to pretty much leave, um, Instagram, which is something that has been part of my life for the past five, six years. And it, it, it's crazy. The day that I was, uh, it happened like a, a week ago, um, I was riding my bike and I was thinking in this, at this time about no, two weeks ago, I was using the app every day. I noticed my anxiety peaks. I noticed I'm not as sharp. I'm not as clear And I noticed that I'm very distracted. I remember I was riding my bike and thinking about Instagram. I was like, what, what is going on here? I don't like that. I don't like that. (laughs) And I remember thinking, you know what, after this workout, I'm going to delete the app. I'm not even going to say I'm leaving. I'm just going to do it. And then I get on there and I have a DM request from someone who says, Hey, I just spent an hour going through your profile. And I just want to say that you have really inspired me and motivated me. And I just randomly came across your profile and I just feel all these things. And I just want to say, thank you. Do you think I deleted the app? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't. Right. Because I I felt like God was like, hold (laughs) on. I, I really felt that God was like, wait, hold, hold up. Like, no, you can't, you, you can't go just yet. Like people, people need you. You, there's something, right. There's something that you're doing that's working. And I mean, for me, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a very complicated, I think. And I appreciate you having this opportunity for me to speak it out and kind of think out loud. And I hope this plant seeds for people too, but to be very honest, I, I also thought about how, though my intentions may be good when it comes to me sharing about an accomplishment or a success or anything like that, because when I, whenever I do share that, my intention is to inspire people my age, I don't know, to get to work, that you can do it, 
that you are Latina and you are young and you can still make all the things happen. However, I may still be contributing to the detrimental effects of social media because someone may not be inspired by that. Someone may say, well, shit, she, she's, she's only 20 something and, and she's doing this. What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Am I, what am I doing? I'm so unhappy. Or even honestly, you know, posting about my marriage. Like I, I have a beautiful, loving, healthy marriage. And even that, though my intentions are good, or though I don't have an agenda, people can can look at that and think, oh, shit, things are so bad at home. Why can't my relationship look like that? Why can't yes. he love me like that? They might even pull the phone and be like, babe, why can't you love me like that? And that for me is not okay. You know, like I'm still contributing to the problem by staying on. So it's very contradicting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Gosh. So, Jennifer, we gotta go. Already? <laughs> I know. We can talk forever. I know. This is so much I fun. Know. I can do this every day. <laughs> you have a lot to share. So, you've got to find Thank a platform you. to share it, right? What do you want our listeners to take away? Okay. Yeah. So, as I was driving here, thinking about this interview, a quote came to me. And that's what I want to leave them with. Elevation requires separation, separation from your Instagram account, from that toxic partner, from that toxic friendship, separation from the toxic family boundaries around whatever it is that is not allowing you to elevate, to vibrate higher, to get to that next level, whether it may be financially or spiritually, whatever in order to elevate, there has to be separation that's done. And it's okay if you feel lonely during that time. It is okay. That means that you're doing all the right things because you are elevating. You're elevating. And that elevation, because it requires separation from many things and many people, it can feel lonely. However, you're on your way. You're on your way to wherever you're trying to go. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> You're making me tear up on here. Really? I mean, I sure, I sure hope that. I, I sure I hope that, that spoke to your heart in some way. Well, it's been a pleasure. So I know we're talking about social media and all that, and should we stay on? But how do people connect with you? Is it on social media yes, or another way? Now, how can they shower you please with love? Show me some yeah. love at Jen Loves You with three O's in the loves. So that's J E N loves you because I actually really do love people. And and this started from a Twitter account and it grew, Twitter grew like wildfire. And then I took it to Instagram because I just love people. I love to share. I love people. Show me love and I'll show you love back. And then um, if I decide to leave it, then I'll be sure to let my community know how I plan to impact the world. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following the Instagram, Bianca Keisha, spelled Keisha, K-E-S-H-A, or visiting the website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.